If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. I'm Erin Sadler from Sadler Science. And I'm Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science. We're here to cut through the confusion to help science teachers like you make science relevant and engaging with student-driven instruction. We know that when students take ownership of their learning, teaching can be simple and fun. Thanks for being here and let's dive into the episode. Hey guys, this is Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science, and I am here for a solo episode of the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. So quick story, um, my kids have always been very verbal and from, from a young age, and that has been such a, a benefit and a blessing that we can understand you know, their biggest needs. They can tell us, I want that ball, I want that, those crackers. But that ability has also kind of masked their limited ability to discuss their feelings and emotions, these more like abstract concepts. And as a parent, that's kind of made it challenging because I they can communicate, but they can only communicate so so well, you know, as toddlers and as preschoolers. And 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 their self-awareness is still evolving. Now one of my kids is especially emotional, sensitive, you know, he he has big emotions and big feelings. And I know that's gonna be an asset. But it can also be like a really big challenge as he doesn't right now have the language to always express those feelings. And, you know, they come out that that those feelings come out in some less, um, less productive ways. I guess there's never a bad feeling, but there are maybe bad ways to express certain feelings. So it's it's been. So what we have been really focusing on with him and and whether you're a parent or not, we'll get to why this is related to education soon. But we've been focusing on on helping him learn that language, on talking about, you know, feelings, so giving name to, names to feelings, um, but also showing him, like, what certain feelings look like, what they sound like, um, trying to connect with what they feel like in his body. And in doing so, we are giving him the tools that he can recognize those feelings he can learn what he can do when he's feeling those feelings, and um, and just become more more self aware and make better choices about what he does in, in those moments. I guess. So today I'm going to share with you a strategy that I came across recently, and I'm honestly not sure who created it. It was I heard it in a podcast, and I know it's been used with kids with autism. I will do my best to dig and find out who created it, but if you know also, send it to me. Um, but And I will put that in the show notes when I, if I'm able to come across that information, like its original source. But basically, it's called this like five-point scale. And it is a strategy that can help us create better communication. So it's been used with um, emotional regulation, 
um, with kids with autism uh, and other emotional challenges. Um, but the way I can see it is we can really use it to create better communication systems within our classrooms to, yes, manage behaviors and and communicate about emotions and all of that, but even to apply to our students' understanding of like three-dimensional learning. So let's take a look at this scale. So it's a five-point scale, and it's a pretty simple chart. It has um, a couple columns and has numbers around one column. It has what this looks like in another column. And then it has like what you can do with that or um, what you can do next in like a third column. So, and sometimes there's like pictures and words combined. So the way I typically see this done, it's like that social emotional aspect. It typically focuses on something like anger or maybe stress. Um, and, but, but again, I, I really see how we could apply this toward engagement, motivation, active learning, um, group work, uh, assessment, performance. Like we could apply this to so many things. But anyway, so the chart, it has five numbers and it has like a feels like. It could be words or pictures depending on your, you know, the age. And then, um, so one that one, one that would be focused on maybe anger or like outbursts, that emotion emotional regulation. Five might be feels like furious. Four could be angry. Three could be frustrated. Two might be a level, just um, level two might be bothered. And one might be a level calm. Now, but in addition to those like very basic words, and this is, I think, a value to our students, we can help our students understand like, you know, we say furious and like we might know what furious feels like, but furious might feel different to other people. Also, our students might not fully understand what furious feels like. So, I feel like there's a benefit to adding additional words and feelings and even like looks like, you know, to go along with it. So furious might feel like, it might feel or look like hot, tense, clenched, heart racing, you know, wanting to scream. Um, we can just describe also like what it looks like and and, it, and we could talk with students about sometimes negative, you know, out, um, expressions of or like harmful expressions of furious might be hitting people or like violence um sometimes it can be you know saying mean words um so we can describe what it looks like too and then we can talk about what we can do with that like what what might you need what can we do um because really it's important that we empower our students to understand and recognize what do you need and that's something that we do say to my kids a lot like when they're having their emotions, um, or they're getting upset. It's like, well, what do you need? What do you need right now? Um, and really, instead of solving that problem for them, empowering them to figure it out. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they're already too far gone for that. But we could provide students with some ideas, or we could help even brainstorm with them. Like, what do you need when you're feeling that? Maybe you need to step away. Maybe you need to take a breath. Maybe it's going for a run or a walk, if that's a possibility. Maybe it's squeezing something. Maybe it's crying. Maybe there's nothing wrong with that too. Sometimes you just got to get those emotions out. Um, maybe it's talking to someone. So we can talk about students when you're at these different levels, what do you need? So the chart basically gives your students a way to identify what or how they're feeling. You know, gives them some of that language. And then it gives them some tools or ideas to address those feelings. So not stuffing them down, but really processing, getting through them. Um, and really, I think one of the most beneficial things is that it's it's helpful for teachers because it gives your class a common language. You know, if we're if we're talking about implementing this with this emotional perspective, it's hard for a student to say like I'm furious without either losing it or even just opening up in that way because that talking about our feelings requires incredible vulnerability that most adults even don't don't 
aren't willing to 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 step into and it's hard for our students to do that it's hard for my daughter to do that with me even you know um it's hard to talk about feelings so it might be hard to say like i'm furious but it might be easier for students to say like i'm at a five and and that can be it like i'm just out of five i'm not gonna elaborate on it anymore i'm just out of five right now and then you know, okay, what do we need to do next? You can say, what do you need? You know the options. They have those options listed. Um, and, and instead of, you know, a student maybe feeling those emotions and stuffing them down, then some students just go right to outbursts. But sometimes we see students try to bottle it up. They put their head down. They, like, put their hoods up. Um, and they just try to, like, withdraw from the class because they're having these feelings. And then you kind of prompt them to maybe, hey, put your head down. Hey, come join us. And then it erupts, right? So instead of that happening, your student could just be like, I'm at a five. And then you know, and then you you have this awareness of what's going on with them. And you they have some tools that they can use to move through that. And, you know, in your class, you've just created this more, like, powerful and very simple open line of communication um, that really just bridges that gap between, like, a student – being comfortable enough to really open up about how they're feeling in that moment. Um, again, something that adults don't even do. And, you know, you being totally in the dark, like having no idea what's going on in their life. Okay, so that's like the emotional perspective. But really this five-point sale could be used from in a more like learning type of perspective. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges I often see with the transition to the NGSS is the change in the demand on students. You know, you hear they aren't used to figuring it out or struggling through it. And you hear things like, why aren't you teaching? Why can't you just tell me? Like, this is, you know, I don't want to do this. Just give us the notes. So instead of just throwing them in there in the dark and not really, you know, letting them know about these changes and then kind of blindsiding them with these changes, I guess. What if we started the transition by simply talking about, you know, what it looks like? Now, the Next Generation Science website, the standards, um, has a great, like, parent guide, student guide that talks about like what science looked like before, what it looks like now, and what teaching looked like before, what it looks like now. And definitely start there as you're building your five-point frame. But you could definitely take those ideas and then put them into levels for students. So maybe your students, maybe a level five is like top-notch, students figuring it out, student-driven, they're making the decisions, they're determining where to go. You know, that's like the goal that we're working toward you know, maybe, but, um, and maybe some activities are at that level, but some activities are probably not going to be at that level because we're making a transition and that's okay. In addition to describing though, like what that type of learning looks like, we could add on to that, like what your students might be feeling like as they're doing it. There's some good feeling. I don't want to say there's good and bad feelings. There's some feelings that feel nice. <laughs> like you feel interested, you feel curious, you're wondering about things. Um, but there's also some feelings that are a little bit harder, like you're feeling frustrated. Maybe you're feeling a little bit confused. Um, maybe sometimes you're feeling a little overwhelmed. And we can also talk about what students are doing in that phase. Like they are looking for patterns or they're making connections. They're talking with their peers or they're sharing their ideas, like whatever it is you want them to focus on. And then maybe level four looks like something very similar, figuring it out, sharing my ideas, talking to my peers. Um, but also maybe it involves, you know, following the teacher's directions, you know, that are written on my worksheet or written on the lab sheet, um, using the notes that I've been provided. And maybe like a level three is I'm following along with the teacher. I'm, they're guiding me through, but I'm looking for patterns and I'm still sharing my ideas. Um, maybe you have five points. 
you know, because again, in a transition, not every activity is going to require that same level of engagement. Not every activity is going to put that same level of demand, especially as we're transitioning. Or maybe you just have a few, you know, and again, there's different levels of, um, like we, we can add to that. So sometimes it might be feeling, sometimes it might be what they're doing. Sometimes it might be, um, uh, you know, like, the level of support that you are providing to them, that could potentially be on this kind of chart or scale. So really the point is you can do with this what you want. The goal is really just communicating a continuum of an experience, whether that's we're talking about active learning and what active learning and engagement looks like. You could absolutely cre- create one where like this is me as an engaged student and this is me not being engaged. Um, and then what can you do at each level to like improve my engagement? Uh, you could do it as this is what discussion, like good discussion looks like. This is what productive group work looks like. Um, maybe it's even when I have an assessment, this is like the not doing a great job on my assessment level. And this is the like doing my best on my assessment. So I'm not talking about like a rubric of grading, but rather a rubric of like how I'm interacting with the assessment and how uh, what effort I'm putting in and things like that. I don't know. I can just see a lot of different applications to using this type of scale based on like what you and your students need. The point is literally just communication so that you can communicate to your students that you can create this common language that you can say this is a level five activity. And so, you know, this is how it's probably going to feel today. And and I'm I know you can do it and, and I'm here for you, but I wanted to give you a heads up. Um or, you know, we're doing group work today and I really want to see you at this level five. But if you're feeling like you're down here, you know, these are the things that you can do to get your group back on track. And likewise, if you go the emotional route, it gives you your, your students a way to communicate their needs with you. And then maybe you can do the same to your students. You can let them know, you know, I'm feeling out of level two today. I'm just like not really into it. So I'm going to put on some good music and... Um, I found this funny joke and I'm trying to, you know, get myself out of this funk, like whatever it is. The point is just that we're creating this common language. We're modeling how we can use that. We're showing our students like what things look like, what what things might feel like so that they know they can recognize, they can build that self-awareness and they can communicate those needs and communicate those feelings and those thoughts. Um, it really makes clear, depending on, again, how you're using it, but it's a tool to make clear what our expectations are, what we are hoping to, to see in our students. It, it shows our students what we need for ourselves. Um, it really just gives everybody a tool to be more self-aware and advocate for our needs. Um, and then also just be aware of like the expectations of the situation potentially. So I hope you'll try, you know, give this strategy a try in like some format or another in your classroom, whatever you know, way is going to be most helpful for you. If you do, I'd love to hear your thoughts, how it went, um, any feedback. Um, If you'd like more resources on this, I can see what I can dig up and uh, see what I can find. Again, it was just kind of mentioned in a podcast that I was listening to recently and they did not go into great depth. So I had to do a little bit of digging. But once I kind of saw the basic framework, I I just kind of was brainstorming all these ways that we could kind of put it into work in our classroom and really create a common language that fosters community and really supports student learning in 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 this three-dimensional um in our three-dimensional classrooms thanks so much for tuning in today and reach out if there's anything we can do you can follow us on instagram on um facebook you can reach out to aaron and i anytime uh and if you're enjoying this podcast please leave us a review we really appreciate it have a great one guys
Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.